Unlocking Your World of Creativity with Mark Stinson. Copyright 2021. Welcome back, friends, to another episode of Unlocking Your World of Creativity. We talk to creatives all over the world about how they get inspired for new thinking, how they organize their ideas, and most of all, how they gain the connections and confidence to launch their work out into the world. And today, we're punching our creative passport in Phoenix, Arizona, and we're talking to my good friend, Todd Hoyer. Todd, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, Mark. It is great to see you after all these years. Yes, indeed. This is like reunion time. That's right. Well, Todd is a content producer in digital, animation, film, video, all kinds of mediums. And he's worked in interactive games, trade show displays, branding to really tell stories. And I guess, Todd, that's our main focus for today is to talk about visual storytelling through these mediums. I mean, you've been doing digital and video long before it was called digital, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I often tell people that my, when they talk about how I got into this, I said, well, I got a job and then figured it out because when I was in college, I was cutting video tape and film. And then the very first job I got out of college, they're like, here's your computer and your digital non-linear editing system. I'm like, I don't know how to use that. And they're like, well, you better figure it out. Now what do I do? (laughs) (laughs) Like, well, I'm glad I spent those four years in college. No, it's not college kids. And so why don't we just start there? In terms of the elements of shooting the film to make it beautiful, that's great. But editing to make the storytelling, how, how do you approach that in terms of flow and structure and style? Well, I've always been more drawn to the editing side of things. I came, you know, coming up, you learn how to do a little bit of everything. You know, you shoot some stuff, you learn how to do audio, you you learn how to edit. But I think the editing part is what I have always gravitated towards putting that story together. And sometimes it's, sometimes there's a plan for it. And sometimes it's a matter of just staring at footage for a day and then, going to bed and then and hoping the next morning you sort of it kind of coalesces into some sort of story in your mind but a lot of times in my work we're really dealing with two sort of different paths to it one is you're you're working off of a script somebody has written you a story now you have to visually be able to tell that in a compelling way and editing is a major component to that and there are certain techniques that to which you do that but uh, lately, I've been working on a project which is are really just like mini documentary films, and that is a completely different ball game where you're really going big to small versus sort of small to big. So, you're taking you're taking a lot of elements from a lot of different places, whether it's uh, interviews or or video footage or something from even like a different project that had been previously done that that is being adapted, and then trying to put that into a in, into a new story. But the technique, I guess, is you really need to be able to listen to it, you know, and really be able to kind of like absorb what you're looking at. I, I guess I trust my instincts a lot, but sometimes it's not that simple. And you really do have to start experimenting, see if this idea coming before this other idea, is that make for a more compelling story than if you just flip them? It, sometimes it's just a matter of watching them both ways. You know, that it's not always just linear. Like Correct. First, yeah, this I never... happens, then that happens, then that happens. Well, and, and again, and then going back, we talked about just right at the outset where the tools sort of have dictated how 
people change the way they build stories in post-production. In the old days, when you did have to think more linearly and you really had to plot out what pieces you were putting and how you were literally splicing them together and adding them to each other, uh, it, it was a lot different of a technique as opposed to nowadays when your tools allow you to see all of the footage all at once, to stack stuff in various layers on a nonlinear editing timeline and slide stuff back and forth and see it sort of in a more kind of, I guess, shrub as opposed to a you know, line of trees or something, you know, <laughs> yes. um, that's not a great analogy, but you know what I mean? Like it's, you, you know, being able to kind of see all the things at once and let a story kind of like grow out of that, as opposed to really having to have a plan going into it. I see what you mean. So the tools I, itself, I, like I'm visualizing the you know. screen full of, you know, snapshots of the, footage. Oh, yeah. but it, I've heard writers especially like screenplay writers talk about using index cards on the wall and, you know, moving the, you know, scene one really becomes scene 10 and then, you know, move that and so forth. How, how do you view it like that in video? Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's actually a, a great point that screenwriters do, whether it's with characters or lines or, or full on scenes and being able to kind of see the, the whole thing at once. Um, and that's literally how I do it. I, when I'm editing, I have screen that is just my footage and, th you know, I make the thumbnails as big as I can. So I can go look at that window in my editing software and see every single shot all at once. And that sometimes will just kind of like trigger the, that next idea, you know, or, uh, sometimes it's just like a practical thing. Oh, I need that shot of that tree. Where was that? You know, yeah, and being yeah. able to like look at the wall, and the scanning. proverbial wall yeah. or whatever, and just like see the whole thing is helpful. But sometimes it's good for just like getting an idea. Like, I don't know how to transition from this shot to the shot or, or whatever. Um, and being able to see all that in one sort of big picture is, is incredibly helpful. But, but again, this is where the tools I think have really, I, I don't, I don't think people realize how much the tools of creativity have completely changed the way you see a film or a TV show or something from today, or even five years ago, then 10, 15, 20 years ago, uh, where the, the literal methods of production have completely changed the way the storytelling is, is happening. I mean, there's still certain techniques and, everything that are universal and are, you know, are as old as time. But I, I do think the sophistication of some of this stuff is, has really advanced storytelling. And I think you wouldn't have, you wouldn't be able to have these 10 episode Netflix series is say 20 years ago, not because Netflix didn't exist, but you wouldn't be able to produce something at that high of a level at that budget level that you can now because of the tools that you have to make this stuff, I both, see what you're both, saying. both in a production standpoint and a post-production standpoint. Yeah, it's it's kind of inside out thinking. I mean, at first I would say, I always wanted to tell a story like this. And now I'm really lucky the tools let me do this. But you're almost saying, because I have this tool, imagine the story I could tell. Correct. That, yeah. that it's really driving it the other way. I think so. I And again, this comes from learning in my education one way and then immediately having to work in a completely different way 
<laughs> you know, yes. and then over the years, sort of like being able to converge some of the things that you have learned historically versus things you've learned kind of like on the job. And I don't know, I think I, it, it's been 25 years and I'm still excited about it. Like it's mm -hmm. still, there are still things that surprise me sometimes when something works that I didn't think would, and I wouldn't have thought about it thinking that I wouldn't have thought it would have worked uh, if I had done it the old way. It took the new way to put it together, to see it work in that way. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think about the, I'll call them markets rather than genres maybe, but, mm -hmm. you know, retail, healthcare, education, training and manufacturing settings. I mean, you've worked in all of these different kinds of uh, settings. Is your approach different? Is your style different? It seems like you go into it with a similar mindset, even though the output might look or feel a little bit different. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess in so much as I have a style. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> what's that fingerprint, the Todd Hoyer style? Yeah, um, <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, well, that's, that's an interesting question because, I mean, the simple answer is no, but the true answer is, is that every project is different, no matter what the genre, if you will, or the or industry is, whether it's a healthcare film or a training film or, or a marketing piece or a commercial or whatever. I, I don't really see those as, I guess I'm more of like, because I'm more of a technician, I don't see those things as different. You know, I, I, I this might sound like I'm blowing smoke, but like I creatively get sort of the same excitement making like a corporate training video as, as making a, you know, a broadcast TV commercial. You know, they have unique challenges from a creativity standpoint and from a storytelling standpoint. And as sort of more of a technician, the genre of it or the audience of it or the subject matter is, is kind of secondary. I mean, it sometimes is, ends up being more fun working on something that's more interesting and exciting, but from a pure uh, technical standpoint, it's, I kind of approach them the same and, and I don't see one as being, you know, more, uh, I guess, creatively worthy mm -hmm. than something else. I see what you mean. Even though somebody, somebody as a, somebody a viewer, else says, a viewer yeah. certainly might. Well, and, <laughs> you, you know, know <laughs> somebody says, "Hey, if I don't, I want an award on my wall." Yeah, uh, this is going to be what well, I mean, I, requires at a certain level. Yeah, I mean, I I've always said that like one of the my favorite projects I ever worked on was this like food safety training video that I spent nine months working on, and but it, it took me across the country. I went, I met a ton of incredibly interesting people. There were a lot of interesting production and post-production challenges that that we had to, you know, with translations into other, you know, languages and different cuts for the Asian market. For, I mean, it was it was a very complex project and it was incredibly satisfying, and I'm super proud of it. And I would not expect anyone to sit through a minute of it and think it was good, <laughs> or or not maybe not good, but or think it was interesting. I guess. Yes. Uh, but from a but from a project standpoint, it was incredibly interesting. That's cool. Well, Todd, maybe that takes us to the current project that you're working on. And you called it a mini documentary series, which is a nice way to kind of frame it. But it's called Salsa Bray the Good for a food brand. That's uh, right. Yeah. Tell us about it. Yeah. So uh, the, the brand is Fresh Cravings and our campaign for 2021 is called Salsa Bray the Good. And we are giving $5,000 to 50 different charities. And we are making episodes telling their stories and releasing them on all of our social channels, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, making TikToks, 
talk about having to like adapt to the new to brave yes. new world type stuff like yes. oh we're gonna make tiktoks now okay what's a tiktok let's figure that out because <laughs> because you sort of changes the way you tell that story too so it's a year-long campaign we're releasing a episode every week i don't know when you're this is going live but we're around 13 or 14 episodes done and about 36 or so more to go but uh, it's been really interesting and, and again the approach to that you know, it's easy to say like, oh, we're going to have like a formula and each episode is going to kind of like have this certain cadence or whatever, but it's, it's hasn't really worked out that way. And that's been really a good thing. It's made it a little more challenging to create the episodes, but it's also each charity has their own kind of story and mm -hmm. telling that story does sort of change the way you you can't just plug that into a formula, even if even if one of the things we're really trying to do is like, okay, each episode is two minutes long, because if it's over two minutes, you know, there, there are all these certain things that you have to kind of hit to make sure you're getting the most engagement out in the, you know, the social marketplace or whatever. Yeah, but, but I see um, what you mean. Each each nonprofit yeah. is going to have its own personality. Oh, for well, sure. and, and I guess its own tone, depending on what the nonprofit cause, you know, is all about. And That's so right. it sounds like you're trying to have, you know, a format but not yeah. a, a cookie cutter formula, so to speak. Yeah, that's right. And I think I originally had conceived the project of doing just that. Like, okay, well, in order to be able to do this and stay on schedule and stay on budget and everything, we're going to just have to have a formula. Okay, this is going to be how it works. And I very quickly abandoned that. And that, that again, gets to the, to the whole point of, you know, each, each project has to be you know, taken on kind of as its own entity, even if it is part of the same campaign. So you know, it's one thing to say like, oh, I'm working on this, this year long campaign, which I am, but I'm really working on like 50 different videos at the same time, <laughs> essentially, you know, in various degrees of pre-production, production and post-production. But we've had great partners that we've, we've partnered with that we've con both contributed to, but then they've also contributed to us. I mean, they've been telling us their stories and they've been really generous and it's been, uh, I've met a lot of great people. And it's been one of the most rewarding things I've worked on you know, I've been around a while and, and this, and I've never really done anything like this. And it's been, it's been great. It's been really, really fun. And, and I, I've enjoyed the work and I've met a lot of great people in the process. Well, and in all the years, uh, what a year to celebrate yeah. some, uh, you know, some organizations doing good. Well, that was, that was, that was the idea. That was the impetus behind it was 2020 was a bad year. We want to celebrate the good and, and, you know, sort of reach out to people who are doing good things in their communities. A lot, some of them, that just started because of the pandemic, some stuff that people have been doing for a decade, but really had to adjust what they've done. So, you know, that's, that's the thing that like a through line that kind of goes through the, the whole series, even if it's really doesn't have anything specifically to do with the charity, everybody having been affected by it, uh, it's, it's impossible to not have that be part of the story too. Mm -hmm. And what sort of research have you had to do to get behind the scenes of these organizations? Well, a lot of it has just been reaching out to them. We've gotten, some people have nominated charities that we've been able to partner with. Some people have nominated, have reached out to us. And I actually would encourage people to go to our, to the freshcravings.com slash salsabrate website. And you can, you can actually nominate a charity. You can see all the videos that we've done and the charities that we've worked with already. But a lot of it has just been getting to know people. We've really focused on grassroots charities. This isn't the United Way is doing great things and everything. And it's, but, but that's not really, we, we want to tell stories of people that just, you know, sort of saw a need and started doing something and turn it into kind of a wonderful thing with the, the amazing thing throughout this is we've met so many young people that have made me feel really bad about myself. 
<laughs> it's like, you know, the these, getters. these like these like you know 16 year olds that have created these great charities and and yes. uh 13 actually who, care about the world right right yeah exactly and they're doing like these amazing things i'm like you mean you're not just like you know playing video games and doing nothing like i did when i was 13 um it but it's also been very um the positivity we're like we're sort of trying to like get this perpetual motion of positivity going uh, has been really kind of nice to see. And it's been really good to be inspired by some of these people, some of these people who, yeah, are, are as young as 13, 14 years old and are doing just amazing things in their communities. So it's, it's been great. It's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun and I'm not really on social media and stuff, but like, I know we reconnected on LinkedIn, which is such an amazing thing, but um I had I probably had not done LinkedIn in like 10 years or something, but then this, this was like, oh, this is like a perfect platform for me to be able to post these things. So, you know, at least some people can see them. That's so. right. Uh, sounds good. Well, and Salsa Bright as a, as a brand name of a documentary series, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it has that uh, kind of fun twist to it, doesn't it? Well, we're, yeah, I mean, well, we're Salsa, Fresh Cravings is a salsa company. So, you know, we're kind of infusing that into it and it adds kind of like a fun festive element to the idea. And, and a lot of the, some of the charities we've been working with are dealing with really kind of like difficult, dark things. So mm-hmm. to sort of be able to, I don't know, reframe that and, and use salsa positive ways, even in kind of like these maybe more dark situations has, I think kind of, I don't know, it's been as a storyteller, interesting way to like weave those things together. But I also think it's really added to sort of the kind of feel good part of it. That's the whole thing. It's like, we wanted to do something that like made people feel good. And it made us feel good. And it go. seems to be working so far. I love that. This, you know, a, a quarter of the way through this massive project. Yes. All right, Todd. Well, uh, listeners of this podcast are also creative practitioners like ourselves. Yes. So uh, it's time to get real. And that yeah. is, this project can't be going perfectly all day. <laughs> any uh, any speed bumps, any obstacles, any... Wow. Potholes uh, no, nothing. Let's Everything go, goes we great like to, We like to frame it as lessons learned. Yeah. Oh, wow. Let's see. What have I learned? In Pitfalls of... to avoid. Yeah, man. I mean, this is, you could, this could be a question that you ask anybody at any point in their career and they would not really have a good answer for. Exactly. Um, I mean, I guess this is just sort of a general kind of like philosophy I've always had or I've developed over the years. And confidence is such like a difficult thing as a creative professional or to sort of like trust that how you're seeing something is going to resonate with somebody else. That's almost, unless you're the most confident person in the world, which I don't know many creative professionals who are, uh, I think, in fact, I think the ones that are always looking over our shoulder. Yeah. I mean, I think self-doubt kind of comes with the territory, but ultimately I think it's about, I have to constantly tell myself this, that, that nothing is ever going to be perfect, but you can, as long as it resonates with you and you are able to kind of understand the story, somebody else will too. Now, when we're working in corporate, there are still gatekeepers, right? I mean, there are still people that have to agree with you, agree with your vision. And, you know, I think when I was younger or earlier in my career, I got really defensive about that, you know, because I couldn't really see their point of view. And I was so sure of my point of view. And I think as I've like advanced my career, I've gotten a lot better at listening to what other people think, you know, and even if, you know, I always say like, just because you disagree with somebody doesn't mean that they're wrong, you know, and Mm -hmm. I think holding things a little less preciously creatively, I think can be really helpful 
and can really allow you to sort of expand your own work. I've gotten much more collaborative as I've gotten older in my career. And I've, and I think I've respected other people's sort of visions and points of view more. And I think that's really helped me uh, be able to improvise a little bit more when things do go wrong and to be able to kind of like trust what other, somebody else is thinking. So, yeah, I don't know. Does that answer your question? It, it does. And it's <laughs> you know, because uh, this idea of collaboration comes up often on our yeah. Because even when people say, maybe they're a solo practitioner, but even if you say, you know, I have a pride of ownership or I, you know, I want to maintain the integrity of the idea, you know, you still have to work with the people. Mm -hmm. And so I really find it interesting how you described it. Just because you don't agree doesn't mean they're wrong. Doesn't mean you're right. It it means we got to work it out. You know, and maybe that means you have to persuade a little bit stronger, or maybe that means you have to listen to their point of view a little harder. Well, and, and, you know, is it worth fighting for? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, a a lot of times it's like, if, if it is, then, then it, then you probably are right, you know, and maybe you should, but again, this, you know, cycling all the way back to sort of the tools conversation, this is where the tools sort of help too, because you can look, you can ha- sit with somebody in an editing suite and show them something seven different ways or whatever, mm. you know, and be able to do that. Whereas back in the linear editing days, you couldn't do that. You know, that would be like, okay, well, if you want me to make that change, come back on Thursday or something, right. I'll, I'll show you. But what I see what like you're that, saying. You know? Now you can say, well, you know, let's take a look. Yeah, let's take a look. Right. Let's you know, try it. We'll, we'll see it and see how it works. You know. And then maybe they see what they suggested and it doesn't work after all. And they say, you know, you're right. It didn't work. But, and, and then ultimately I, I always have in the back of my mind, the, I don't know if this is apocryphal or the, or the famous Lauren Michaels quote that Saturday night live doesn't go on the air because the show's done it goes on the air because it's 11 30 <laughs> on saturday you know so i mean at some level especially when you're dealing with timelines when you're dealing with budgets you know uh when you're dealing with clients or whatever at some point like there will be a deadline and you have to make those decisions and of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of videos i've made in my life i don't think there's a single one that i thought was a hundred percent perfect every single one you know, I can go back and look at and want to move one line of text three pixels over or, you know, whatever. But uh, but eventually you can get into a that's the whole part of like being the creative professional. That is really important where at some point you just have to say, all right, th- this is what it is and we're all good with it. Let's put it out in the world and let's go on to the next one. We've got 50 of these things to make. Yeah, let's keep keep moving. <laughs> keep going. Yeah. You know. Well, to, to go 50,000 foot now, we've sure. drawn from the, you know, very technical to what is inspiring you? You know, what kind of work are you seeing or what kind of techniques or otherwise is inspiring you these days? I just made a joke about TikTok and I will say that I am really trying to rewire my brain around my disdain for social media. And part of it is because we are very involved in social media with this campaign specifically, but I think I've been a little reticent to transition into those techniques and seeing how those platforms really do change storytelling, right? I remember way back when, well, whatever, when people started putting stuff on YouTube and there was, from a corporate standpoint, it was always like, if you were doing some sort of marketing or training video or whatever, and you're going to put it on YouTube, three minutes. Like you, you have three minutes, 
So, okay, so now you take uh, something that might be a 23 minute documentary piece and we need to make this three minutes. Okay, so now you sort of change the way that you structure a story, whether it's documentary or whatever, to be three minutes. Well, now it's one minute or 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's something that the old school part of me just like, I just get this like twinge of anxiety when I hear, oh, I have to make this. 30 seconds or 45 seconds. I'm trying to come around on that when I, I mean, I hate to say, it, but sometimes I do get inspiration from some kid making TikToks in his kitchen, you know, and how he is telling a beginning, middle and, and, he, you know, he is telling kind of like a compelling, quick little story in a 35 second TikTok. And again, I kind of can't believe I'm saying this out loud. I like, I, I feel like I have to apologize yeah. to many people who no, I have, very cool. I've said horrible, disparaging things to exactly. over the years. But you know, <laughs> about social media. saying that people keep calling it, you know, we got to be creators. Sure. You know, sitting around and talking about it. Certainly this is not the time for uh, campfire stories anymore. <laughs> you know, you're, we're making stuff. Right. You know, but, but in, the, in all mediums. Right. But the irony of that is that you are making stuff now and we're on a podcast and I like listening to an hour and a half long podcast sometimes, maybe not with me and you, yeah. but like, <laughs> that's why we only go 30 minutes. It's only go 30 minutes. <laughs> like that sounds right. But you know, I think things are sort of diverging in a certain way where people like the quick and the small, but there still is an audience for people hearing long, drawn out, compelling story. I think that, again, talking about tools and talking about formats, that podcast format, I think does lend itself to something because maybe it's more of a passive experience. You can have it on while you're doing other things or whatever. Mm -hmm. So you can hear somebody like really get in depth and tell a, a interesting story. Whereas if I'm sitting there like, in the waiting room at the doctor's office. And I don't know how much time I'm going to have. I don't want to watch something on my little tiny phone that is five minutes long. Like that just seems an unbelievable amount of time, mm -hmm. you know, but some 30 second thing might be incredibly entertaining, incredibly creative. And again, going back to sort of the tools of production thing, the fact that nowadays, yeah, some kid in his kitchen can sort of just make something on a phone that really is of quite high quality. It really lends itself to a lot of innovative storytelling. And that is, that is inspiring me and annoying me just for the record, all at the same, all time. at the same time. Well, and you've talked about, you know, more platforms are available sure. too, like a Netflix. I mean, you, we're going from a 10 second TikTok video all the way to dozens of episodes just because the streaming services exist right. and they demand the content. That's right. I, and you gotta it feed is, the beast. And it is that long format still, still works. I mean, do you, do you do this where sometimes it seems like a two hour movie seems like way too much to sit down for, but then you'll watch like four episodes of a hour long, like exactly. Netflix show. We, we got into a show the <laughs> other day and it said it was four parts. I said, well, we can knock this out. Yeah. What they didn't say is there's four parts and there's like 13 episodes within each part. <laughs> and it. like, you know, at 2am, I'm like, when is this thing over? <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's good, but I don't know if it was good. A yeah. six month investment of my time here. <laughs> right, right. And that's the whole thing. It's like it, you talk about investment in time. I mean, everyone talks about how like everything is quicker, 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 and people have less and less patience. But I think people have like more patience than ever. Mm -hmm. It just needs to be the right thing. And it needs to be the thing that like draws them in. And, and those obviously still exist. I mean, otherwise, these, you know, 10 part 
12 hour long documentaries wouldn't exist. You know? Yes. Uh, fascinating. Todd, what a great conversation. Great Absolutely. to catch up to you on all points of video and digital and content and creative process. Really appreciate it. Hey, before we go, make sure we know how to connect with you and follow this series that you're doing. You can connect with me on LinkedIn is probably the best way to do it. Just search for Todd Hoyer. I'm one of the only ones you should be able to find me on LinkedIn. Uh, and if you're interested in our Salsa Break the Good, the Salsa Break the Good campaign and, and the videos, they're all posted on freshcravings.com slash salsa break. And you can see all the videos there and you can nominate a charity. Well, we'll definitely check it out. Thanks, Todd. Listeners, my guest has been Todd Hoyer. He's a digital content producer. He's post-production, digital, film, multimedia, all sorts of uh, industries and firms he's been able to work with. And he's really given us some insight on the creative process from the story and from the production techniques. Todd, we really appreciate you being on the show. Thanks, Mark. And listeners, come back again next time. We'll continue our around-the-world journey to talk to creatives and artists of all types about where they get inspired, how they organize their ideas and produce their work, and get it out into the world. And that's what it's really all about. Join me again next time. I'm Mark Stinson. We've been unlocking your world of creativity. See you next time. Unlocking your world of creativity with Mark Stinson. We've created a special offer just for listeners of the podcast. You can get our book, A World of Creativity. Paperback is at a special price of $5.98, and the Kindle version is only $0.99. Cents. Go to my website, mark-stinson.com. The book is featured on the homepage. You can click it and go to Amazon, mark-stinson.com, and enjoy the book.